Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Teaching Kindness, the Bullies Be Gone podcast, with yours truly, Nate Webb, the founder of Bullies Be Gone. Here on BBG, I go into all things kindness, bringing in guests and experts from all wakes of life. And we are all here for one reason and one reason only, to help you and your kids get over bullies, get off social media, and love your lives. So come on in and learn how to live in a world where kindness is king. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back. It is great to be at BBG. If you are a human being on this earth, you know that technology is not going anywhere. And learning how to have a healthy relationship with your technology is imperative to your mental health and the mental health of your kids. Um, Technology and social media can be the biggest bullies, and we need to control what we consume. My guest today is Tracy Foster, the founder of START, Stand Together and Rethink Technology. And she does exactly that. If you are wanting to have a healthy relationship with your technology, you got to give this one a listen. But first, got to pay the bills. And we back, everybody. So... We really lucked out today. My guest today is Tracy Foster, founder of Start, Stand Together and Rethink Technology. Um, so they just they bring kids and families together to develop roadmaps to raising kids with healthy screen habits. Um, they provide endless resources for families that are expert guided, but individually tailored to meet the need of the family. And they've been published by the Wall Street Journal, the New York, New York Times, and a couple of, you know, little magazines, I guess, if you guys know what newspapers are, they just, you know, own a few billion dollars worth of stuff. So they're pretty big. It's pretty cool. So thank you so much. Welcome, welcome, Tracy, to the show. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I was so surprised when your team was like, yeah, you can send Tracy an email. Maybe she'll, you know, we'll see what happens. And then like my phone buzzed, like they they scheduled a time. I'm like, oh, no way. So I was pretty. Well, that's so generous. I mean, I'm honored to be in such incredible company. You really talk with so many people of such interesting things to share. Well, I am floored to have you. Um, So how the heck are you? Where are you coming at us from? I am based in suburban Kansas City. Ooh, go Chiefs. Um, if you're, I was just going to say I'm wearing red. My family is football obsessed. It's a sport that I have to admit I'm not philosophically a particularly big fan of, <laughs> but I am now a member of an absolutely Chiefs obsessed family. I mean, it is really hard to not just love Patrick Mahomes. Right. What a baby. So what a great. little guy. He's so young. Oh, oh my gosh. He's so young. He's so cute. Um, my husband, just for fun, after the Super Bowl, wrote a poem. He he worked in business <laughs> analytics, but he wrote this poem about the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl to the delight of my kids. And so for Christmas, I'm like, hey, we should actually get this illustrated and post it on Amazon. And so it's on there, Kansas City's story of epic football glory, or it's it's getting up there. It's in review. Oh but the illustrator, when she drew Patrick Mahomes, you know, she looked at him and she looked at the different scenes. Right. And he's really like a Disney Prince version of Patrick Mahomes. Oh and so gosh. I couldn't, every time I'd see these pictures, I'm like, oh, he's so cute. And my nine-year-old would like give me the, you know, death stare of like, mom, he's not cute. Patrick Mahomes is tough. He's big. He's burly. <laughs> and it was just so funny to see the age difference of how, like from my age, yes, Patrick Mahomes, he's so young. He's so cute. Right. So, That's anyways, so funny. we're a big Chiefs family. Yeah. Go Chiefs. They're not, they're not doing too bad. Um, so 
So you're in this awesome space of creating tech plans and roadmaps for families and trying to help them out so that they can not be controlled by the screen, right? So that they're captivated by life and not by the screen. How did you end up in this space? Like, what's your story? Yeah, so for me, it started about 10 years ago when I was pregnant with that Chiefs Obsessed fanboy. But I was doing a project. My background is in strategy consulting Mm. with the main focus on social sector. So helping massive organizations, especially foundations that are trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems, to think about how to do that. Um, And so that's what I love to do. And I was working for one of the largest toy companies in the world. I, I, am, I would be willing to bet money that you own toys in your house. I'm not allowed to say what company this is, but I mean, they own so many brands. And Looking at you, Fisher Price. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no comment. But anyway, I was working on um, a project for a large toy company. And we were supposed to help them understand the social impact of their products, which how cool, by the way, what props to a you know, Fortune 100 company for saying we care about what the social impact is of our products. That's awesome. And so we looked at the impact of certain um, dolls on body image and things like that. And when we did work with some of the early childhood lines that they, that they have in their portfolio, a big thing came up around child development. And this was 10 years ago, right when the smartphone had just started to get energy and when Baby Einstein was really popular and Disney had just bought Baby Einstein for like half of a billion dollars. My gosh. Only to find out like two months or something. I'd have to go back and look at the details. It's been a while. But only to find out about two months later that, oh, actually Baby Einstein doesn't make your kids geniuses. It actually stunts their language development. (gasps) Oops. Too bad. Now, let me just put you at ease. If you show your kids baby Einstein, or if you grew up on baby Einstein, no big deal. It's not that big of a deal, but it just was a really interesting eye opener to the fact that tech is not always this amazing hero way to learn. And so anyways, we were having these types of conversations around the boardroom table and their head of research came up to me after one of the meetings because I was very visibly pregnant. And he said, I hope you're paying attention to this because we as a business are at a moral impasse do we try to chase the dollars and have all these toys that add apps and more video games or things like that? Mm. Or do we stand for what we really believe in terms of what supports the mental, emotional, and social development of kids? Yeah. And so I hope that you take this to heart in your own family. And it was someone, as, as you and your wife know, when you're pregnant, you get a lot of unsolicited advice. That was yes. the only unsolicited advice on that topic that I had gotten. But um, I took it to heart and really, um, realized, hey, I'll think about this partially because I knew I would see that man every month for the near term. You know, he's my client. <laughs> yeah. But I think it really changed the way that I looked at. It's almost like, you know, with a lot of these things, you have rose colored glasses. And once right. you start to think about these things, once you start to check your screen time numbers and see the number of touches or unlocks that you have, you're like, oh, and then you start to notice it every time. Or once you yeah. get a certain color and type of car, you start to notice all the other ones on the road. So that for me really awakened me to thinking about what role I wanted technology to have in my life and whether it was helping or hurting. And then it was a few years ago when a good friend was specifically thinking about smartphones that we kind of started the conversation that led to this movement specifically in Kansas City. Man, that is crazy awesome. I mean, started as a boss, like (laughs) working for who knows who, like big, big companies. And then... The, what you're talking about was interesting. I was thinking about 
so like Silicon Valley, the, the, the owners of the tech companies and everything, they don't even like, they, they send their kids to tech free schools. Like they know what's their, what, what the impact of their devices are if abused and they know it, it's not ready for a lot of young minds. Um, we also know this is 2020 and like tech's not going anywhere. Like, like we need to embrace it in a healthy way. Um, and that's the whole purpose of start. And so what is start? What is your mission with start? Yeah. So start focuses on helping parents provides parents with trainings, tools, and tips to help them be a mentor and a guide in this digital world. Mm. Because what we've found is we've talked for, you know, at least a decade about the digital divide along income disparities where children in lower income schools or homes are less likely to have tech, which sets them behind compared to their peers. But, and, and that's, that's certainly something to think about, especially in the realm of virtual learning, but we focus on a different digital divide, which is essentially this experiential digital divide between parent and child. And what mm -hmm. we noticed was that lots of parents, while we seek to be mentors and guides in every area of our kids' lives, this was this like separate area where parents weren't engaging. Right. And it wasn't out of, you know, laziness. It was just because there, were some, there was a sense of, I never grew up with that. Um, my kid knows tech better than I do. So what can I add? Right. So oh. Also being sucked into their own phones. So they right. weren't necessarily engaging into theirs. Right, right. Shh, I, I, I need to finish Candy Crush, Johnny. <laughs> exactly. Well, we had the privilege to work with a Kansas City initiative called Hashtag Zero Reasons Why, which focuses on mental health for teens and trying to get over the stigma that's attached to so many mental health dimensions. And um, at one of their teen council events, this was last year, obviously we were in person. Oh, what a glorious thing it was. I know. Man. <laughs> I missed that. But they had just spent the whole time talking about all of these challenges that teens are facing. And I think every parent in the audience just felt weight after weight after weight on their shoulders. And so a parent, one of the first questions said, hey, I'm, I'm like devastated and overwhelmed by what you've said. What can I do? Can you give me like one specific thing that I can do? And the teens on that teen council said, yeah, put down your phone and talk to us. And so it really is this interesting thing where, you know, a lot of times teenagers, I know you're a, you're a counselor, a guidance counselor, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you know the realities of this and you're probably seen as a lot cooler to the kids than they would see their parents as. But, you know, I feel like so often teens you feel like all they want to do is like be away from you. But there are those times that they open up, that they desperately want that longing and connection. And if you miss that in passing, because you are, like you said, candy crush or scrolling Instagram, those are moments that are so formative that just get missed. Yeah. I, oh my gosh. Yeah. As a counselor. Oh my gosh. It's like, put down your freaking phone, everybody man, like feel like it's one of their appendages. Like if they cut it off, they don't think they're going to live without it. I'm like, y'all need to go to rehab for phones. <laughs> well, it reminds me, and I'm going to pause this so I can turn off my light because I think it might be making a noise, but it reminds me. <laughs> it reminds me of the story that we heard um, from parents early on that shared that they went to their kiddos. I can't remember if it was preschool or kindergarten back to school night and the teacher proudly walked them through the artwork and said oh this is the wall where every child has drawn a picture of their family and to your point about the appendages the parents were literally drawn with phones in their hands 
And honestly, that could probably apply to every single child's family portrait. Yeah. But there's happened to be the only one where the kids actually drew it. And it was one of those moments of self-awareness of like, oh, it is my appendage. It's all of our appendages. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So something that I really like what you guys do, you guys still appreciate the good things that technology has to offer while still trying to keep our kids safe. You know, like you said, our kids want connection. They don't want, you know, a, a mindless zombie mom or dad sitting on the couch, scrolling through Instagram or Candy Crush or whatever, and just watch the TV, I'm busy. They want to talk to us. But at the same time, you know, tech's going to be a forever evolving part of our life. And so you guys have developed some different roadmaps um, to help parents with this. Now, a lot of other places, a lot of other people, advocates, they do contracts, they do different things like that, where it's like, here's the things you may not do. Um, how are these roadmaps a little bit more different um, that are able to still, I don't know, envelop the good things about technology while still trying to keep the kids safe? Yeah, I'll share it at a, at a framework level and then also a couple of specific tools. So Overall, we think that even though this makes it harder, it'd be so easy if it was just, hey, here's a simple rule, here's a simple age, here's a simple do's and don'ts, and then right. it's like easy button of staples or whatever. It's not that. It's mentoring our kids who have different areas of you know, greatest temptation and weakness, other places that they don't struggle, different maturity levels, different family dynamics. I mean, if, if you're co-parenting you know, in, in different homes, there are different realities, and we feel like it's very important to start with grace to say different families and different kids have different needs. Now that does make it harder because sometimes it's easier when it's just like, okay, great, here's what I have to do. But our overall concept is to approach um, introduction of technology just like we would driver's ed. So mm -hmm. we talk about it as ride practice drive. Mm -hmm. I am guessing Nathan that when you turned 16, your parents didn't say, Nathan, happy birthday, buddy. Hey, you're 16, here are some car keys. I bet, you know, it's pretty user intuitive. Go, go out, have some fun, be home by nine. Did that nope. happen? Nope. <laughs> okay. And it didn't nope. happen for me either. Thankfully, because we would probably have done really bad things if that had happened. <laughs> We'd be dead. <laughs> We'd be dead. I almost was going to say that exact same phrase. And I think what's interesting is, um, phones are similar to cars, Like right? Phones, I don't like to compare them to drugs or smoking. It's not something right. where they're inherently bad. It's something that can take us to these wonderful places that we otherwise would never be able to do. Right. But there's a lot of power behind it. And so we feel like it's really important to go through an intentional process where you train your kids and you give them increasing responsibility as they demonstrate competence. Mm. And so that's the overall framework is thinking about it like we would with driver's ed. Um, right now, most kids at the age of nine or 10 get a fully unloaded smartphone. You know, that is the equivalent of getting the keys to the car without any type of training. Yeah. So that's our high level. We have a couple tools that we just released around the holidays that do get to more specifics. One of them we call our smartphone rules of thumb. And that's, it's not really rules of thumb so much as talking points for parents. Right. So that parents can say, hey, because I think we lack the language. We haven't lived this experience. <laughs> if you go to compare it to other awkward conversations like, sex. Every one of us parents either had a conversation with our parents about that or didn't and has all these like lived experiences of what was good, what was bad, what was awkward that yep. we can then yep. remember or repress in our memories and like <laughs> learn from and change for our kids, right? Yeah. But we haven't, we never had an awkward conversation with our parents about 
um, what's available online and the hazards of that. So we put together this um, smartphone rules of thumb that is literally just talking points, like to say, you know, hey, this phone, it's a tool. And what does that mean? You know, and hey, I love you. I'm looking out for your well-being. You know, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to judge you. It goes through five different themes of key concepts that we think you should talk about with your kids related to these devices mm -hmm. and how you can do that. We also have a corresponding worksheet um, where, again, it's not just an explicit contract. We love that contracts help create clear expectations. And we think clear expectations are important. Brene Brown says clear is kind. Yes. There needs to be clarity. But I think it's just a lot of times rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Yes. And so this is something where we feel like it's powerful to step into it in conversation. So you can see in our, in our smartphone toolkit that we have a worksheet that kind of says, hey, this is where we think we're going to start. You know, and, and parent and child can, in some cases, work together and kind of negotiate that together. In some cases, the parent says, hey, this is where you're starting, but we're going to try to work to this other point. And, and hey, here's what I need to see from you in order to give you that responsibility. Mm. So um, we just really think that there's so much power that comes from the relationship. And as much as possible, also with leading from vulnerability, because this is a situation that we're facing as parents where we're just as culpable. I mean, mm. we are struggling with this. Very yes. few parents, myself included, would say that we have awesome digital health. Our kids see me mess, my kids see me mess up all the time. Yep. And so I think when you have this conversation with your kids, instead of it being a contract, which feels very power driven, Mm -hmm. To say, hey, I know I'm struggling with this too. When we talk about device-free zones, are there places where you're noticing that I'm getting on my phone that we should actually turn into a device-free zone? So mm. those are some dimensions of the ways that we think about that. Man, I love that. And you mentioned your rules of thumb. And I actually noticed those first when I was looking you guys up because it follows your whole START acronym. Um, yeah. get, briefly, briefly, can we go over those? Because I really love them so much. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan. Well, yes. So start technically stands for stand together and rethink technology, but yes. we got so many questions. We talk about this digital health. What does it mean to be a digitally healthy family? And again, we, we made it hard because we said there are no firm rules, but we said, we think that it falls into five categories. And so we aligned it with the letters of our name. So S-T-A-R-T. S is start with yourself. That's what yes. we've been talking about, about the criticalness of parental modeling. Our kids mm -hmm. key, key off of that and it, it, in, it, in, it creates the norms that they think from very early ages and it creates some of that relational um, strain potentially that we talked about. Yeah. The T, the first T is tables and bedtimes. Mm. So that's about device-free zones. Yes. Which I think is especially important in 2020. Oh my gosh, right? yes. Zoom fatigue is a phrase that has dawned in 2020. We all... Yes, we are all so thankful these devices are a lifeline, but we need a break. Our phones yeah. need to recharge, so do we. Yep. And so um, as a family, it's great to say, hey, what are those spaces, times, or places that we designate our device free? And if you're looking for places to start, we strongly would encourage you to consider tables, so meals, and then also bedrooms overnight, so or yep. we call it bedtimes. But it varies by family. For me, right. I mentioned our family loves the Chiefs. You know, it's during football games. If we're going to a game, if we're watching a game, like we're not doing it on other devices. This is our special family time. Um, okay, A is accountability, which is not really a very uh, popular word. Nope. But 
you know, it is the, it is the reality that our kids have access to so many things. And when we were younger, or even still, it's not uncommon for parents to have a curfew because, oh, nothing good goes on after a certain time. Right. Or, um, oh, don't go to that area, that building, that, that establishment, because we know what happens there. But right now, there's just access to everything all the time. Yeah. Even if you're home in your room, in your bed, like there, you, you actually have access to, to more than you would imagine. Mm-hmm. And so accountability is about helping to make sure that you are being intentional to help set your kids up for success with their range of motion online. So in the basics, it's get some filters, install a filter at the router level, like the Griffin, get something like Bark to help with social media protection, but really do what you can to build those safety nets. And I think some people will claim, well, I want my kids to trust me. Don't, don't, or does this make it seem like I don't trust them? And we don't think it's so much about trust. It's more like going back to the car analogy. It's like a seatbelt. I still, I expect my kids to wear a seatbelt when they're riding in the car with me. Yeah. Now that I don't trust our car or myself. So it's about, it's about setting the stage. And then it's also about communicating with your kiddos that you are safe harbor. So knowing that even if you have all these filters in place, mistakes will happen, accidents will happen. And so we give a lot of tips about how to have some of those conversations, how to talk with kids about what they might find, some recommendations for books, that kind of thing. Then R is what we've already talked about because it's ride, practice, drive. Yep. So it's using that incremental approach. It can be for devices. It can be for apps. And we give lots of information about how you can step at a, at a rate that helps your kids develop a skill and then move on to the next. And our final one is T, which is time well spent. And so that's about saying, it's not just that device time is bad. We oftentimes say, we're not trying to just call our kids away from something. We're trying to call them and all of us, our families, into something better. Yes. And so when you're thinking, what does it mean to be a web or a foster or a smith, you know, um, what do we value and how can we articulate those values and then look at our technology time to say, you know, how is it supporting? How is it getting in the way? And when we think about offline and offline activities, what are those things that we really want to do that would help us live into that potential? I mean, most of our kids have goals and dreams. Some of them, their ultimate goal and dream is to be an influencer or a video game champion. Sure. But a lot of our kids, they're yearning for some of these things. And if we can help bring that out and talk about how we can support those goals in different ways using technology sometimes and not, that can really help embed that concept of time well spent. Man, I love that. So for those of you who aren't taking notes, you should be though. Um, (laughs) So we got start with yourself. We got tables and bedtime, um, screen free zones. We have accountability, your kid and you, you're not going to freak out. Okay. Um, Our, I forgot it already. Ride, practice, drive. You did well. Ride, practice, drive. Ride, practice, drive. And then T is time well spent. Um, very good. Boom. So there you go, guys. So, so this whole, the reason why I am so like talking as many people as I can about tech and all these different things, because I mean, bullies have gone started off as a bully advocacy place. Um, and I'm learning, I mean, and I knew this cause of what I went through too, but social media and technology can be like the biggest bully. Um, and so there's a lot of bullying that happens on the, on the smartphone, on the devices, on the computer. Um, there's a lot of hate and discrimination online. And so 
why is it so important that we have, I mean, we talk about the awkward talks that we had with our parents, you know, the sex talk, you know, the coming of age talk, all that. Yeah, no, I'm growing up stuff. Um, I feel like those conversations are going to become less awkward and the more like tougher conversations are going to be towards online things like bullying and pornography and hate speech and attack ads and stuff like that. Why is it so important that we bring those things up with our kids? I think it is so important because those are the biggest challenges and barriers that they're facing in their adolescence. When we look at the mental health epidemic facing our kids, those are a lot of the things that are driving it. And I don't mean to oversimplify, there are certainly many other causes that can affect someone's mental health. But I do think those are really important conversations to have. And I think that we as parents can almost never overestimate how much the digital world means to our kids. I mean, this is their playground. This is their reality. And to just put yourself in the shoes to understand that, I mean, I can think of so many mistakes that I made as a kid. Oh my and gosh. Thankfully, I mean, right? I mean, where do I even start? And thankfully for most of them, like only two other people knew about it or some cases right. no one knew about it. And like, you know, or I apologize the next day. And here you have these things that just get, you know, that get caught on film forever. Every student right. around them has a phone that, that can turn almost into a weapon to record these lowest moments. Yeah. And group texts that can just so quickly. I mean, we share about a story. Uh, imagine what it was like for one of your your moments of just like, I don't know, agony, I guess you could say trauma is probably a little too extreme, but think back to when you were the age of your kids. Was it that you were trying out for drill team or basketball and you didn't make the team? What did that look like then? You know, for me, it was walking up to the school building. They posted the list of drill teamers. Your name's not on there. You're feeling this shock and awe. You start to walk back to the car and you like have this really awkward look on your face because you're like, biting your lip, crying out, trying not to cry. You get into the car, you know, you, your mom asks you how you're doing. You maybe talk a little bit while you're, you know, sobbing or just staring out the window and you get home, you call a best friend and you go through like the five stages of grief there on the phone, right? You're up right. until like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. You hang up, maybe you have candles and like CDs playing, who knows what else. And then you hang up the phone, you go to bed and you wake up to start the next day and it's not easy, but you've like wrung out some of that pain and angst, like almost like a washcloth. Mm-hmm. Well, think about what it's like now for our kids. That same Tracy in 2020, if there weren't a pandemic, would be walking up to the school of the building because I don't know what it's like at your school, but here we still have a lot of schools that literally post the names on the window of the building. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would walk up. I would see that my name wasn't on that list. And I would shirk away just like I had. It's the same feeling, except, oh, guess what? This time Kimmy's live streaming and everyone sees this embarrassing look on my face while I step away. Most people probably otherwise wouldn't have even known I was trying out for the drill team, right? Okay, so I shirk away. I get into the car. My mom's probably scrolling social media on her Bluetooth. Hopefully she's not, but you know, she's like not really paying attention. Oh, I hope it was good. You know, oh, we'll talk in just a minute, just a minute. Then you get home and instead of calling someone and having that actual conversation, you're probably going to hit a group text and say, yeah. oh my gosh, you guys, I can't believe what happened. And then you'll get back like a poop emoji, which just does not, that's not a stage of grief. That doesn't help you ring your washcloth. No. <laughs> you'll maybe get back like, you know, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, that sponsor just really didn't support you. But in a lot of cases, because people will say things online in a way that is totally divorced from what they would ever say to someone face-to-face, 
Yeah. You'll probably start to get to the point where someone says something like, well, yeah, you sucked. And then someone else like, yeah, if I were you at GKYS, right? Is that a phrase you hear often, I would imagine? Yeah, it's a phrase that people told me when I was in high school. I mean, it's crazy. And I, I just, and you hear those things, go kill yourself. And you just start to be like, okay, this was who I was going to for support. And now I feel even worse. Yeah. Then maybe you open up Instagram to try to get a little joy hit and you actually see, right? Bad call. Abort. 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 I love that, Nathan. But that's exactly what you do in your thing, right? And then you start to see, oh, then you go to TikTok and you see that that live stream video is having these like live comments saying, oh my gosh, look at Tracy. What a loser. I mean, just so many different things. And so I just think it's important for parents to start from a a position of empathy to say, this really is hard. And to try to understand and to hear stories like yours and others to really put themselves in it. And then to step into the ring with our kids, knowing that it's awkward, but also knowing that we can learn and teach a lot if we do it humbly. So to say things like, I mean, there's almost not a day where I don't see something on social media that bothers me in some way, makes me feel less than, makes me feel vitriol of hate speech or, you know, some type of conspiracy theory or something. Those are powerful moments for us to be able to say, hey, hey, Krista, I want to talk to you. Like, look at what I saw. Look at what my friend posted. Yeah. This is how it makes me feel. What should I do? And you can actually talk about some of those things almost on equal terms. And those are some great ways to get your kids to come out and talk about it. Because I, I, I would be curious to hear your thoughts, Nathan. But in general, we find it's not all that great to be like, hey, so have you experienced bullying online? Hey, what's <laughs> bullying like? <laughs> right? All of a sudden, it's like the guard goes up. Yeah. But if you can say, oh, man, I read this article about this kiddo or teen, youth, you wouldn't call him kiddo. Have you ever seen this happen? Like, yeah. so if you call them into something you're seeing, or if you say, has, have you ever seen that happen? You can start by talking about it in a neutral way where it's not as personal, but then that's what's likely to open that door to actually get real. So I just can't, I just think it's so important and it needs to be driven by empathy and vulnerability as much as possible. I totally, I totally a hundred percent agree. Uh, parents, whoever parents that are listening, if you haven't already, thought up of a way for age appropriate way to talk to your kids about these online potential hazards, talk together as parents and figure out a way. Um, there's lots of, I mean, uh, start has scripts, um, the safe screen project. Uh, there's a f- so many, so many protect yes, young eyes. There's so many people that have resources that help you talk through these things, but you need to talk through them because your kids are going to experience it. They're going to see hate speech. And if they don't recognize it as hate speech, they're going to use it and they're not going to know that they're using it. Um, and so just be, try to be aware so that you can talk to your kids about these things. Now, during the pandemic, I mean, I'm sure in your expertise, you've seen the tech use of the kids is just like skyrocketed. Um, and I, I'm a high school counselor here in, here in Utah and like cyberbullying just skyrocketed during the pandemic. And it is so easy for people to engage in that type of behavior from behind a screen. And I love what you said about we need to be taught leading these conversations with empathy because our kids see how we treat other people online. They see our comments. They see the way we interact with other people. And if we snap at them, if we put them down, they, they feel the underlying tones of our messages online and they will mirror us because for good or for worse, we are their role models and they will mirror what they see from us. 
Um, and so it comes down to helping our kids be resilient against those things, leading by example. Um, man, we could talk forever. Oh my goodness. Um, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Like you and your team, you guys are heroes in my book. Where can everybody find you? Shameless plug time. <laughs> well, we are happy to share resources. WeStartNow.org is our website. WeStartNow.org slash holidays where we have our smartphone toolkit situated. Right now, you can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is we.start.now or Facebook. Because like you said, Nathan, we don't think that technology is inherently bad. So we're grateful for opportunities to use these different platforms to help connect. Man. Well, there you have it, everybody. Big thanks to Tracy for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom. Um, all those links that she mentioned, they're going to be in the show notes. Uh, make sure to go follow her on Instagram and Facebook. Keep track of those resources. It'll be great for you guys. Make sure to go follow me at bulliesbe.gon for your daily dose of positivity. Thanks again for listening. Go home, give your kids an eight-second hug, and always remember, you are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. We'll see you on the next one.